If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm absolutely delighted to be back with you once again. We're sort of going through a January thaw at the moment, which is lovely as I'm recording this. I can hear the snow melting, and I actually saw a patch of grass this morning, which is the first time in about six weeks, but that's apparently going to be covered up in the next few days. And by the time you listen to this, we'll be back under the snow cover again. It's like a teaser this January thaw. Every so often Mother Nature throws us in a few days of, for us, warm temperatures. You know, anything above freezing is warm at this time of year. And we get these few days where you can walk outside and almost smell spring and the snow begins to disappear, only to be taken up again with another 10 or 15 centimetres of snow. However, I'm going to be in Florida in a couple of weeks' time for the month of February, which will be absolutely wonderful. I'm going to be recording all the shows that will be aired through February before I go so I can get them edited and on the wires just in case the Wi-Fi at the campground deserts me, which it has done on many previous occasions. So uh, I've got some great guests lined up to to bring to you while I'm away. And then I'm coming back here for a a day or so, I think, at the end of February before I fly off to Paris for the Vacation Rental Managers Association European or the International, actually it's the International event in Paris. Really excited about that. So looking forward to catching up with people once again from all over the world that I've seen at other conferences and other events. So that's going to be a lot of fun. If you are going to Paris for VRMA Europe, please let me know particularly if you're going to be in town on the Saturday night, because I'm going to be arriving sometime midday Saturday, and it would be really nice to connect with somebody, go out to dinner or or something on the Saturday evening before the conference starts Sunday. So uh, so email me. Uh, I'd be, you know, let's, let's make a date of it and go out for a meal. If we can get a few of us together, that would be even better. So today I'm talking to Wes Melton. Wes is is a partner in smokymountains.com and I think you've heard me mention Wes when I've been talking to his, uh, his business partner David Angotti and Wes is the sort of the software techno genius behind smokymountains.com if you spend any time on Matt Landau's vacation rental marketing blog you'll you may have read Wes's recent post called Property Management is Dead as We Knew It. Now, this is a theme that seems to be uh, hanging on from from last year. You probably remember me mentioning there was a session at VRMA, at the National VRMA in Orlando, where there was a panel talking about the death of property management. A little bit scary for those of us who are property managers, and I read every one of these very, very carefully. I have seen some people in this industry who have run property management companies, David and Wes being one of them uh, or two of them, and uh, Richard Vorton being another, who 
are now no longer in the property management business. And, you know, you've got to start thinking if, if these guys are getting out of this business, what's going on? What do we need to know? What do we need to do? I mean, I know as a property manager that, that things are not the best, that it's, it's tougher and more challenging to acquire new owners, to encourage owners to come with a property manager when the OTAs are telling them all the time that they don't need to, that they can do it perfectly well themselves. So it's a harder sell and has been, for me, has been for a couple of years. Demand for vacation rentals is rising and I think that will continue to do so. We may be hitting a supply issue. So I wanted to talk to Wes about this article, about where his thoughts are coming from, what we can do as property managers and as owners, in fact, because a lot of this is relevant to independent owners as well in terms of what Wes talks about when he covers the future being the experience and coming away from the sort of commodity of the property and more into what we can do as owners and managers to create an experience for our guests. So without further ado, I'm not going to talk any more about it at the moment. I'm going to move on over and um, and kick off the chat with Wes Melton from SmokyMountains.com. So I'm delighted to have with me today Wes Melton of SmokyMountains.com, who is calling in from Gatlinburg, Tennessee, one of my favorite places, or certainly that only though all of the Smoky Mountains. I just love that area. So good morning, Wes. It's a delight to have you with me. Thank you so much, Heather. Uh, very happy to be uh, on the podcast with you this morning. Well, it's wonderful. I mean, last time we, we sat down in Orlando at uh, the VRMA National Conference and had a good chat. And at that point, we I think we invited you then to come and join the Vacation Rental Success Summit as a speaker. And I'm so glad that you've decided to do that. So I wanted to sort of introduce you to everybody. So anybody who's coming to the summit to check out this podcast so they can hear what you have to say and, uh, and we'll know a bit about you before they come to the summit. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again so much for inviting me to uh, speak at the conference this year. Very excited to be there. And I know it's going to be great. It is indeed. And it will be warmer than it is now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, it doesn't have to go much to be warmer than we are here. I love the little bio that was on your uh, post on the Vacation Rental Marketing blog. And it says, Wes Melton is a builder of things, technology expert and Lego fanatic. And I'm just going to hook into the Lego to start with, because with my, with my grandkids over, over Christmas, we got talking about, well, talking with my son and his kids about the things he got, you know, what, what he had for Christmas when he was a kid. And we all remembered, and very topical, we remembered buying the, the model of the Millennium Falcon for him. Oh, yeah. And I remember playing with that. I think I played with it more than he did. You know, you could open all the little <laughs> bits and pieces and, you know, you had the, you know, all the little people that went in, inside of it and the whole thing would come apart and you'd have an interior. And then Mike said, he said, you know, there's a Lego Millennial, Millennium Falcon now. And I, and I checked it out on Amazon and I thought, yeah, should I buy one of these for Mike's kids? <laughs> no, this is not a good idea. It's definitely a very uh, expensive addiction for sure. Yeah. So have you been addicted to Lego since you were a kid? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I got my first set. I'm 
when I was probably four or five, uh, something simple, I'm sure. And uh, just all throughout adolescence into adulthood, I just I never really lost the fascination. And um, Lego has certainly done a really great job of continuing to find uh, new ways to to create new sets and capture the hearts of uh, of their customers. And uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely in that category of adult fans of Legos, uh, as they're called, and uh, very 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 comfortable with that. <laughs> it's uh, definitely it's become a family thing for us too, and so it's it's a lot of fun. Do you have kids of your own, Wes? I do. I've got uh, two little boys uh, who are uh, turning six and eight in the next couple weeks. Oh, I can see this Lego thing going on for many years. Absolutely. And I'm just, I'm just fine with that. <laughs> I have been switched off buying the Millennial Falcon, Millennium, Millennium Falcon model set, for, Lego set for my granddaughters at this moment. Cause apparently my, my son and his wife are heading off for a year of sailing and he doesn't think it's a good idea to take it on a 40 foot boat. I can definitely get there. Yeah, definitely. Lots of little pieces to uh, get lost on a rocking ship for sure. <laughs> Well, we, we, we shall see how it all goes. I saw, as I think many people did, the post that you did on um, Matt's um, vacation rental marketing blog in the past couple of weeks. It was titled, Property Management is Dead as We Knew It. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, God, here we go again. Because I remember this, this came up back in oh, February last year at the VRMA Europe conference, then again in Orlando. I don't have my head in the sand, but it's not far off it because as a property manager, I can see I can see change coming. Or even though up here in Ontario, we tend to be sort of pretty much six or seven years behind the drag curve from anywhere else. It's, it's coming here too, and I know a number of property managers are feeling the pinch at the moment. And I wanted to talk to you about the post about your experience as being a property manager yourself or being involved in the property management business and to talk about where you think this is all going. So just wondered, you know, how did you get into the vacation rental business in the first place? Sure. So um, like so many people that entered the industry, I really came from a very different vertical. Um, I was previously a technology consultant for enterprise uh, size companies. Uh, so, you know, national food brands, um, billion dollar enterprises, kind of that uh, sector of of the world, and um, <clears throat> I'd really gotten burnt out on corporate life, uh, which is also kind of a common story. And I was friends with uh, David and Gotti, and he had exited an uh, educational uh, tech startup not uh, not too long before, and had actually uh, purchased a vacation rental here in Gatlinburg. And um, anyway, long story short, we decided to go into business together, and he uh, felt like there was a, a, a strong opportunity here in this market and in the vacational industry as a whole. And so uh, that's what we did. He had just, just stepped away from a VP of marketing position and I decided to step away from corporate life. And um, we stepped into the vacational industry um, with a ton of naive optimism and uh, definitely learned a lot along the way. So, so where are you now with SmokyMountains.com? Because you're not directly involved in the uh, property management business any longer. That's correct. So we started the uh, property management business uh, at the end of 2013. And then um, in December of 2016, so just over a year ago, we uh, were our property management business was acquired. Uh, we were able to retain rights to the uh, the brand uh, SmokyMountains.com and the website. So we have pivoted since then into being a, uh, a niche uh, listing site for our region. 
Um, yeah, just tell me about that for a sec, because we're seeing so many of these niche listing sites coming up now. How How is it working for you? And what do you see the future in is for those sites? Sure. So uh, for us, the business has um, gone very well so far. Definitely been some um, some learnings along the way, which is to be expected with any new business venture. Um, we started in January of last year with uh, I think around 250 units. And at the end of last calendar year, we were at uh, just over 1,200 bookable units on the site. Uh, been very happy with our demand curve. Uh, it's continued to grow up and to the right, which is what you want. That being said, yeah, I definitely would agree that there's there's a huge spike in kind of this niche listing site model. And I, I think that it is, um, obviously, obviously, I believe that there's potential there, which is why we're investing so much time and energy into it. And um, I think that there are some distinctive advantages that niche listing sites can offer that I think travelers still desire, which for us looks like trying to, uh, you know, create essentially the best information on that destination you can find available on the web. Uh, that's kind of our, our mission is to help every traveler that visits this area. And so I definitely think that there's a local expertise that listing sites in niche markets can offer that the national listing sites still haven't figured out and um, honestly probably aren't even trying to compete on yet. Um, and I think that there's also price offerings that we can still uh, offer to afford property managers, which are advantageous to them when they think about some of the changes coming through the big listing sites. Um, but yeah, overall it's going well. I think that, I think that the niche listing site market is going to continue to get more competitive and I do anticipate consolidation there as, um, listing sites continue to do what they've always done. You know, part of Humway's growth strategy was to continue buying niche listing sites. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely, I definitely think that that segment is going to grow. And then, uh, I anticipate a lot of consolidation in the, uh, over the next three to five years. It never stops, does it? The dynamics of this business never stops. I don't think it will ever will ever get to a point where we can heave a deep sigh and say we don't have to think about it for another month. But that's what makes business fun, right? <laughs> is uh, always figuring out those those new angles. This is true. This is true. So getting back to this um, to, to the uh, post that uh, that you wrote, you've been involved with the property management company, um, seen it firsthand how tough it is to build a business like that. So what's changed? What changes have you seen in recent years that have made it made it so much more challenging? I think the way I would try to sum up my answer is is really just by saying that I think the the primary change is what I would say is is the ubiquity of choice. And what I mean by that is listing sites have really provided a product that the average traveler wants. And what that average traveler wants is to be able to see all available options in one place um, and be able to price compare, compare amenities, um, and make decisions without having to visit 10 and 15 websites. Um, it makes it a lot easier to get their family involved. You know, they can create lists of properties they're interested in and then share them. And so I think, I think choice uh, is great for the traveler, but I think that it is definitely creating um, commoditization in the industry very rapidly as travelers are now becoming rapidly more aware of of the options that are actually available to them. Can you explain that uh, that expression, commoditization? Sure. So I think that, um, as I mentioned in my article on Matt Landau's site, I think the average traveler's ability to differentiate 
one property to the next is greatly diminishing. I think that with the more choice you have, the more each listing becomes just another product to choose from. And if you've looked at hundreds of properties, you know, as you're trying to plan a vacation um, on a big listing site, at the end of the day, you kind of get this sense of, you know, if all the properties have uh, greater than a four star uh, review average on you know on the whole if the price is in this range if it's on you know if it's on the beachfront then how different can the property really be if many travelers have stayed and they've rated it well then the experience from one to the next should be about the same so as long as the price is advantageous why would I not book that versus the other one unless there's really a compelling compelling feature that the more expensive one has to offer and so I think the traveler, is more likely to, to see and to continue to see a listing as just, just a, a commodity product to pick from, um, not really a high demand choice that they're willing to, to fork out, you know, 50 to 100% more money for. That, that is such a, such a big change over the last few years when they weren't as plentiful as they are now. And, and there was almost a wow factor in, in every property you looked at and something different. But now it just does seem that you can go through listings and it's same old same old it's not too dissimilar from the amazon effect you know if i I buy products on amazon all the time from companies i've never heard of and for me and i think what studies have shown is the biggest contributing factors are what what are the reviews like and on amazon you know the amazon effect is is this prime and so for me when i buy a product product on amazon i don't even look to see a lot of times who the manufacturer is i'm more interested to know whether it's a, a prime product or not and I think that there's a lot we can learn from that when we think about the listing side, side of things in terms of choices, reviews, and the information that's put in front of us. Um, I think that what we're seeing is a trend towards very similar buying habits for vacation rentals. And I, as more inventory continues to come online, I think that we're only going to see more and more of that. So you, you make a really interesting point there because I was on Amazon this morning, like probably everybody who's, lisp- who's listening at the moment was probably on Amazon this morning or yesterday or the day before. And I hadn't realized that I do exactly that. That's the first thing I look at now is, right. is the prime button there. That was not something that had, uh, had, had even crossed my mind as being you know, a factor that might be playing into into what we're seeing now in our own industry. Sure, and I think that that's maybe one of the things that we we easily miss is that HomeAway, Airbnb, Booking.com, they have actually built a brand and they are selling a product that people want. And in much in the same way that Amazon has built a brand and is selling a product that people want, even though Amazon on the whole doesn't own the vast majority of the products that they sell, They've created created a buying experience that the traveler prefers over Googling it, searching through multiple websites where they may or may not find the best price or may or may not see all of the best options. Um, there's definitely a, a trust factor that Amazon's built over time. And I think that HomeAway and Airbnb both have and will continue to build that same trust with the consumer to create a buying experience that people prefer. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take from your article here and ask the question, what is a property manager to do? Sure. So Matt has been hounding me (laughs) uh, to come up with uh, kind of a part two to answer that question. What do we do now? And I definitely think that that's appropriate and it is in the works. And so I want to be careful that 
you don't read the article and walk away with kind of a doom and gloom kind of response because that wasn't the purpose of the article. The purpose of the article is to help us understand that these changes are coming. Um, and in a lot of ways, in a lot of markets have already happened and will continue to happen. And so the answer to the question, what do property managers do now? Well, I definitely think that when you consider the greatest brands of the world at the highest level, right, they've built a brand experience that people want. And so I, I, I know that that's kind of a huge leap between, from where we are now to where we need to be. And so I think we have to break that down into bite-sized pieces. And so for if I'm a property manager and I'm trying to think, okay, how do I build a brand that people will prefer over a booking on a home away or an Airbnb where year after year, or maybe they only travel every three years to the area, but they're, you know, however often they come, I want them to think about my brand first. I think that there's kind of an assessment, a self-assessment you have to take about where you realistically are as a brand and where you need to be to accomplish that. And so I think that, um, Kind of my general assessment would be that I think a lot of property management companies could benefit greatly by really going back to the basics, looking at how a lot of the 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 mega PMs we'll call them, like the Vacasas and the V trips of the world that are growing right now, um, are managing to scale and fetch prices the way that they are. What I would say is that a lot of property managers need to go back to the basics. They need to look at things like pricing. There's a lot of new pricing tools that are available to them that were not available even two and three years ago. Um, yield management solutions that will help them price competitively against the bigger brands that are emerging, um, which I know isn't very quote unquote experience oriented, but I think there's things that just need attention that will help them be a better business that will then fund the efforts that likely need to take place, like hiring a VP of customer service who's whole job is to call people when they check in and make sure that everything was the way they wanted it. Or if they have an issue, you know, just drop by randomly with a gift and making sure that their stay is great. And basically, you know, making it more and more difficult for someone to leave them a negative review. All those things definitely take money. Um, and so there will be an investment side. But I think that a lot of property management companies could really use 2018 as a year to go back to the basics, make sure that they're leveraging technology on personalization, on pricing, um, on operations, you know, that they're building out uh, business processes for everything that they do. So that consistency across the brand is being achieved um, and really just making sure that they have their house in order first so that then they can really invest heavily in the future. Yeah, you, you talk about successful property managers of the future becoming experience managers. You're taking on a new title. You've just mentioned sort of dropping in to, to drop off a gift if something goes wrong. What else can they do to create experiences? I, I think there was a comment uh, uh, on the post. It actually comes, came in from somebody I know at Airbnb who, said, who just simply said, oh, well, that's why Airbnb are doing experiences, which I don't think is the same type of experiences as you were um, alluding to in your article. Yeah, that's correct. I'm definitely not saying that every property property manager in the world needs to go, you know, find and aggregate all of these things to do in every market like Airbnb has. As much as I'm saying that um, property managers need to start thinking about themselves less as a service brand and more as a travel brand. And what I mean by that is that I think historically the property management business was primarily um, the, 
the core way you competed was by how effective you ran your operations at the end of the day. If you had the best housekeeping, if you had the best property maintenance, and you had really good customer service, you were likely going to earn repeat business because you know the ubiquity of choice wasn't there. So once they found a great company that met those you know checklist items, customer loyalty was kind of easy to retain at that point. Now that we have ubiquity of choice, travelers know what their options are. That service really is losing its loyalty because it's kind of assumed that most good companies with good reviews are going to meet that subset of checklist items. You know, it's clean, it's well maintained, everything works. It's kind of it's moved from being something that that consumers appreciate to something that they expect. And I think that much in the same way I mentioned, you know, in that in that article that Howard Schultz took the coffee bean and a cup of coffee at Starbucks is many multiples of what a diner would get for virtually the same coffee. I think that property managers have to figure out how to orient themselves as a travel brand in their market that consumers will seek out because of the experience as a brand they can get uh, versus what they may or may not be able to get, you know, by just booking any property they find on one of the listing sites. When I look at it as a property manager, it, uh, um, it's, you know, I, I take on board one of the comments, and again, one of the other comments on uh, on your post, and and I would say to you know anybody who is looking at Wes's post on vrmb.com, definitely go down and look through the comments underneath because there's some really good stuff in there. Tina mentions she says I'm a little stymied how a property manager could reinvent themselves as experience managers. To me, it's like saying a teacher can be a surrogate parent to all their students. I can tell you from years of experience, there's a ton of work on the front lines to be really different. We, we've lived for years as property managers. You know, we, as you say, we provided the best accommodation possible, the cleanest, with the best amenities. We, we know what it's like when people walk through the door. And if they've got an issue, it's, it's dealt with really quickly and responsively. But now, as you say, everybody expects that. So in my head, it's how do we do this with every single person that goes through the door to go and make something special and unique and, and different? That's where I'm struggling. So let me, let me share a story from my honeymoon that I think is actually um, something that isn't on the, on the difficulty scale, on the high end of difficulty to implement, but created a... Um, a memory that I still haven't forgotten that I still think of think of a special and that I think maybe highlights how you can transition from being a, a, a service brand to a travel brand that people desire. Um, when my wife and I went on our, our honeymoon to Oahu, we checked into the hotel um, and when we got there, just it was it was in casual conversation, the person checking us in was just asking us questions, you know, how was the travel? Are you guys tired? You know, because it was late at night. And uh, we, I asked for, for food recommendations. And it was so crafty the way she did it, but she just naturally worked it in the conversation. And she said, do you guys like desserts? Well, of course, you know. As a part of that conversation, asked me what my favorite type of ice cream was. And so I told her that it was, it was Moose Tracks. Well, so on the third day of our stay, someone knocks on our door, and on a bucket of ice, they have a pint of Moose Tracks. They didn't charge us for it. It was just something special that they layered on top. And to this day, I will never forget that because while at the end of the day, it was you know a $5 gesture, 
The more important thing was that the person working at the counter cared about me as an individual. They cared about my my preferences. They cared about my stay. And it was really just a simple yet kind of magical thing to do to layer in on top of the stay that they didn't have to do that made me feel treasured as a guest and would definitely earn my business again if we were to go back. And so I think that there are cues that we can we can create as property managers to personalize the stay in a similar way that aren't high cost, that aren't even high operational costs, you know, that aren't a, aren't a huge time burden, that still help us create an experience for the guest that they will not find at any old Airbnb where you may or may not ever see the person who owns it. You may or may not ever even hear from them. Yes, it's clean. Yes, it's well-maintained. But there's there's nothing special, you know. There's nothing magical that happens, and so I, I think there are simple things we can do that are magical, that are special, and are personal uh, in that same vein. That I think if you can effectively process that into your business, I, I think that you can start making leaps and bounds towards actually creating a brand that people desire uh, specifically. It's interesting you t- you talk about that experience. Um... On, on your honeymoon, a couple of years ago, I did a, a, a keynote at the first VRSS conference and, and I was talking, you know, how, how to create that wow moment with guests. And I used an experience that Mike and Andrea had when they went on a, a long, long vacation years ago and it was in a Hilton and it was Andrea's birthday during their stay. And on her birthday, there was a knock on the door, there was a birthday cake and, and a card from from the hotel and Andrea said how do they know and it was simply because they'd given in their passport at uh, at check-in and that information had been picked up from the passport that it was her birthday that the week during their stay so it, it, it also takes me back to a podcast I did way way back it was it was VRS 055 and it was called Rich Guest Profiling with um <laughs> Louise Brace, who was who was of rental buzz at that time, and, and she was talking about exactly this. You know, you, you can you can pick out those those things that or, or little things from emails <clears throat> and telephone calls, and and as long as you document those, then you have information that you can use to create a great customer service experience. So I'm sort of thinking as I'm talking to you, it's, it, you know, I, I'm calming down now and I'm thinking, gosh, this isn't as difficult as, as, you know, maybe I was overthinking it. And maybe, um, maybe property managers are overthinking this. And it simply is a case of, of doing some solid guest profiling and, and creating experiences that are in a moment of time, not sort of spread out over the whole vacation. It's just a little touch that creates a memory. Everything you said, Heather, just then was so great and right on point because uh, in the book that I referenced, which uh, in my post uh, for Matt, which is called The Experienced Economy, and it's written by B. Joseph Pine II, and I, w- I would highly recommend everyone read it um, because one of the things he talks about is exactly what you were just saying, where you intentionally create these things called experience cues, where you have, as a brand, decided that through, in, in our case, a traveler's stay, you are actually going to create these cues that ideally will create a moment or an experience that the traveler will not forget. And I think what's really important to understand is that you can create an experience brand that scales 
and that isn't overwhelming if you process it out. And that's I think that's one of the 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 key differentiators between being an okay brand and a really great brand. And that is rather than just happening to notice that when someone booked, they mentioned it was their daughter's 16th birthday, but you instead actually make it part of your process to always pour over every booking as it comes in to see what has the guest told us? Are there any events that they're mentioning that we can surprise them or do something unexpected for? And when you, when you find that it's part of your process, you're creating that magical brand every single day, just as a course of habit. You know, one of the things that we did as a brand is we, whenever a booking would come in, we would always read whatever the guest told us to see if there were moments like that. And, you know, there were a number of times that someone would just, they would just freely tell us it's our 20th wedding anniversary, or it's our daughter's 12th uh, birthday and, uh, and we're bringing her and her friends into town. And, we would always make sure that when the guests showed up, there was something in the property that was, you know, specific to what they had told us for an event like that. And so, if it was uh, an anniversary, we had one guy told us it was his 20th wedding anniversary, and when he showed up, there was a dozen roses and uh, six six gourmet cupcakes in the property, you know, just waiting for him. And it was so funny because he called us later and to thank us because she thought that he had planned it. So he, you know, he got, he got brownie points just, you know, just because even even though he hadn't actually planned that out. And so I I think that there are systematic ways you can create a a magical brand. And even though I kind of hate to reference Disney because they're, you know, just so huge and a lot of emotions when you reference a brand that size, I think that Disney is actually proof though, that you can process out and scale those those micro cues that end up creating an experience that has a lot of demand um, in and of itself. So, so your your part two of this post is is that where is that where this is going to to be bringing us some really practical um, examples of of what we can do? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, my plan for part two is to be very practical, very hands-on, and hopefully, hopefully, very underwhelming. Frankly, I I really want people to read it and feel like, um, you know, hey, this is something I can do, you know, and really feel excited, you know, about about 2018 and feel excited about their future as a brand and actually building a brand that has, you know, footing all its own. And I think that um, I think that it's very doable and. I think that the industry has a, a bright future ahead of it for a lot of property managers. I go back to to something that Steve Milo has been um, reiterating over and over that to to succeed and to avoid becoming dead in the water, property managers have to adapt to survive. Adapting means doing stuff differently. That's it. You know, I, I think that's true. And I also think that there is a segment of property manager that historically – have not how do I say this delicately there are, there are a lot of property managers who have who have made a lot of money off the back of the listing sites historically you know they they found out early on that if they wrote a check in for you know $1000 that they would get many multiples of that back on a per property basis and they were able to grow a brand or, or a company quickly but now the title the title shift is coming right listing sites are um, rolling out fee structure changes, uh, you know, HomeAway rolling out the matchback now, which um, is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, I think that what they're finding is 
kind of where they actually stand in the water. And I, I, I hope that what will happen is that a lot of these property managers will realize the need to start creating a brand that can stand you know, on its own footing and actually go to work doing that. Yeah, I, I find it all very interesting because um, as, as a brand ourselves up here in Ontario, we've, we've actually only just started putting our properties with an OTA in the last year. We've never, never done this before. Um, so, so we're coming at it from another angle, I guess. Uh, so we, we already have our brands um, and, and we're just using the OTAs as just really it's bringing in 10% of our business at the moment. So part of me is naive about what it is for everybody else in the business, which is why I always love hearing about. So as a little bit of naivety, it's like, going, oh, wow, is this, is this the case for everybody? So, so it's, it's really interesting to, to, to hear that viewpoint. I mean, for, for us, it's, it's not a, a huge issue. To, to go back onto our customer service levels and look at how we can just differentiate from the other um, agencies in, in our region. And yeah, just interesting to see how, how others have approached it and the challenges that they're having that, uh, that obviously we don't. Well, but you know, so what I would say though, and it sounds like this is part of your strategy from what you were saying, I think the listing sites can still be a really great, uh, distribution channel option, even for people such as yourself that grew a strong brand that could stand on its own feet for for many years and are only now getting in, into the listing site side. The way that we always thought about listing sites were to be a lead channel to help us capture the first touch, mm-hmm. and then and then we kind of expected it to be our responsibility at that point to earn them as direct customers the next time. And I think that if if property managers are able to start more effectively seeing those listing sites as those alternate lead channels for the first touch, and maybe you maybe you don't make as much money on the guests the first day, but I think if you can create that experience that that's really very unique and magical, I think that the even with the traveler fee and the and the items that a lot of property managers are upset about, I think what you'll find is that those listing channels can still be very profitable for you as a company if you capitalize on those guest stays correctly. We were talking about this exact same thing yesterday. You know, it's uh, bringing bringing the traffic in via the listing sites. Um, and we are getting a, a good deal of traffic coming in via these channels um, and just upping our game on the remarketing. You know, making sure yeah. when people are right, okay, so we don't have an email address until they book. Well, what's what's the? I don't actually see an issue with that because I know these people are going to come back. But then we're, we're you know we're in a return a repeat guest market, um, but we will have them back and they they will come back directly through us because of the remarketing strategies that we're going to employ. But we just haven't done that much in the past. So you know, for, for us that is that is a, a, a new avenue to be following. I, I think the focus for property managers who have the vast majority of their business coming from the listing sites right now should definitely be, um, you know, the legwork to minimize the percentage of traffic that's coming from any one lead source, which that's definitely not a new idea. Um, but I think beyond that, they need to start thinking about the listing sites as lead channels they can use to introduce people to their brand and figure out ways to earn that repeat business which is going to continue to get harder and more competitive. But I definitely think that there's still opportunity. 
Wes, if you and David were back in the property management business again, what would you be doing differently now? Can you give us a couple of things that you'd, you'd, you'd kick off with that are different from where you were when you left? So I think that kind of the ongoing theme when we had the property management business uh, would still be probably well in play now. And that is to, to learn how to value um, my time more effectively. It was easy in the day to day to spend too much time on the tasks that weren't going to help us grow the brand and not enough time on the tasks that would. And, uh, uh, you know, Amy's uh, VRM Intel uh, winter edition that's about to come out I actually wrote an article about growth through firing owners more regularly. <laughs> and I think that that idea is basically anywhere you can identify a non ROI investment of your time whether that being in, you know, for in, in that article, I talked about owners who are low profit and high energy. Those owners should really be let go pretty, pretty, pretty quickly because you're literally investing 80% of your time into 20% of your revenue. And so I think that we would still be looking for ways to make sure that 80% of our time was going into the 20% of uh, owners that were producing the majority of revenue. I think that we would, um, be investing in conference attendance to really keep a keep our leg up on what's happening in the industry. B, uh, you know, there's so many so many new and great software tools that are coming out that have come out even in the past 18 months that weren't around when we were growing. Uh, you know, a lot of really uh, awesome pricing tools are starting to come out. Um, Alex Nix properly is really interesting on the the operations and housekeeping side of things. Um, I think that. I would be trying to just continue to research and invest time in trying to find the best available technology. You know, marketing automation platforms for the industry are, are starting to get better and emerge. Um, so for me, I really think there would be a, a huge investment in both really quantifying how I spend my time and making really effective decisions there. Um, and then also really investing time in making sure that we're using the best tools possible to create the, you know, the best personalized experience for our guests that we can. I think that's that's a good lesson for for all of us. I'm glad you mentioned uh, attending conferences because I just want to sort of circle back now to the um, your your attendance at VRSS in San Antonio in May. Could you tell us a little bit yet about what you're going to be speaking about? Sure. Yeah. So this year, uh, I anticipate most of my speaking to be about a lot of what we talked about on the podcast today: helping property managers actually create brand experiences that can stand on their own against the tidal wave shifts that are coming from the listing sites. And I think that if we can get into the nitty gritty and the hands-on of how to do that, I think we'll all be in a much better place as an industry. Well, I'm going to be sitting in on that one for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So Wes, it's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking, talking with you today. I'll look forward to seeing you in San Antonio in May and I'll make sure that there are links to the, uh, the article and to also the, the book you mentioned, which if I, I – you, you, can you tell us again what that book is about? Sure. I'll, uh, I'll send you a, a note after the call, too, uh, with a link to it on Amazon, of course. Um, but uh, it's called The Experience Economy, and it was written in 1999 by B. Joseph Pine II. And uh, it, I think that it's got a lot of just little nuggets of wisdom that as an industry would be very timely for us right now. Well, I'll be back on Amazon then. <laughs> where, where we where we all live, right? Where we all live. Yeah. Wes, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Heather, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Looking forward to seeing you at Vacation Rental Success Summit in May in, in San Antonio. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Well, a huge thank you to Wes Melton of SmokyMountains.com for, for joining me and sharing all his ideas. It was I, I sometimes go into doing these interviews with, you know, very clear questions. I sort of know what I want the answers to be. And on this occasion, Wes drew me in to, to the whole issue. And while he's talking, I'm thinking about, you know, how this is going to impact my own business and, and the things we could do. And actually, when he got to talking about his honeymoon and that touch point, I was I was busy making so many notes about what I was going to take to the meeting with my business partner and my team. And um, we have since developed what we're calling the touchpoint strategy and, and using the, uh, the principles of rich guest profiling a little bit more, or in fact, a lot more than we have done in the past. Perhaps stop being so complacent about collecting a booking. You know, booking reservations come in. Let's just process it. Um, all the automated stuff is going to be on the way to the guest. We really don't have to spend much time on it. But particularly for those uh, reservations that are coming in via the listing sites where, whereby we, we definitely want them to book direct with us next time, we need to be sharing our brand with them from the, moment, from the first moment we possibly can, which often is from the time that we send the property information to them. And it's at that point where we can start thinking of where those touch points might be for those particular guests and ensuring that they remember our, our brand. Because with a lot of, with, with so many travelers, they, you know, they're going, as, as far as they're concerned, they're going to an Airbnb property or they booked it on HomeAway. They have no idea who they're actually booking with, that they are booking with a property management company. So it's our job as uh, as a PM to absolutely make sure that they come away from that vacation in the full knowledge of who they booked with and feeling motivated to come directly back to us again the next time. And also, and let's not forget this, we want them to become our ambassadors as well. We want them to go and share everything. We want to give them the Instagram experience so that they, from the moment they arrive, they're sharing the what what's happening, their experiences on their social media platforms and sharing our brand too. Not just saying I'm staying at this Airbnb, but mentioning the the company that they've booked with. And that's something, yeah, that's something to really work at. So huge thanks to Wes for for sharing all that with me. It was a great conversation. I am I've, I've put the links on the show notes to, uh, the, to the article, um, to that book. I'm also putting a link to my favorite book on there, which is The Customer Service Revolution by John DeJulius. I've mentioned this numerous times since I saw John DeJulius speak uh, at a, a VRMA conference sometime, some, sometime way back, and he totally inspired me 
And if you have not read The Customer Service Revolution by John DeJulius, I so strongly recommend that you get in and read that one as well as The Experience Economy by B. Joseph Pine II. Okay, so that's it for another week. And I just want to thank you so much for listening. Of course, if you've got any comments, go to the show notes, please. And and make your comments there and I'll check it. I'll make sure Wes sees them and he comes in and comments on them there. Of course, as ever, if you've got any suggestions, comments, feedback for me, please send them directly to me at heather at cottageblogger.com and I will get back to you. So for now, it's goodbye and I'll look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>